0: Well as we have been in our study in the book of 2nd Peter many of you remember that last week I was going to preach a message called Signs of False Teachers out of 2nd Peter 2 but really felt an impression that the Lord was leading me to just kind of set my sermon aside, and we just had an, a time of open sharing and prayer. and it was really special last week. And so just so we don't miss a beat in this study of Second Peter, I preached that sermon on Facebook live on Friday. It's on my Facebook page. It's also been downloaded to our YouTube channel. So if you want to stay with our study of Second Peter, you can watch that this week if you haven't done so already. But as we came, as I came to Second Peter chapter two, verse 19. It had Earl Del, Mar- Del Martyr's name all over it because it's a passage about empty promises and, the, and the, the power of addictions. And Earl has been involved in the Fresh Wind ministry here, and he's the co-director. He's also the, the leader of phase two, phase three, and phase four of our Fresh Wind recovery ministry. He's been in addiction recovery ministry for 22 years. He's been married to Anna Lisa for 26 years and has two grown sons. And so, brother, it's an honor to have you come. I love it. He's going to preach one verse but he's going to make reference to a lot of others. So Earl,
1: come, brother, and bring the word. Amen. Well, good afternoon, almost Church. Weren't you glad to get that extra hour of sleep? He had me share in the first service, too, so basically I lost two hours. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. God is so good to us to give us the opportunity to come and to worship him, to hear his word, to to be fed the word of God so that we might change and be be renewed, maybe healed, maybe saved. Miracles happen here at this church. Amen. Praise be to God. You know... uh, we're going to share from uh, 2 Peter 2.19. Most of it's going to be 2.19b. The pastor's been preaching on uh, false teachers. But I'm going to take it to 2.19b where basically it's about the false promises. Sin promises us fulfillment but delivers us bondage and death. It gets pretty pretty deep right off the bat. So let me start with something a little, little lighter. Well, there was this two, these two old folks. Gosh, they're not even old anymore. They're about my age. 60 years old, <laughs> these very young people. A couple, uh, and they were, they were celebrating their birthdays together. 60th birthday together. Well, the angel of the Lord came down and God said, Grant them both one wish. Well, the woman was excited. Well, I've always wanted to travel the world. And poof, the smoke cleared and she had tickets in her hand. Well, then it was the husband's turn and he kind of shyly said, I, Well, I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. Poof, the smoke cleared. He was 90 years old. <laughs> Yeah, I got to be careful what they say, be careful what you, how you pray, right? Anyhow, praise be to God. I'm so glad to be here. God is able to do abundantly more than we could ever dare think, ask, or imagine. And if you are here and you need a miracle in your life today, reach out. I want to encourage you that when you, go to, when you go to the throne of God, you should go with a, with a sense of expectation that God can do what he says he can do and will do what he says he can do. A preacher once told me in, in 1998, when I was in a recovery center myself, he said, Earl, when you go to the throne, go expecting a miracle. Because I kept crying, I don't get it, I don't get it. He began to articulate the gospel to me. Interesting enough, I went, and it was Palm Sunday, 1998. and It was actually right over there I was sitting. And, and it wasn't that. It was this property, a uh, different church at the time, but I came expecting a miracle, and as I was there pleading for my life, asking God to save me from this life of addiction, he healed me. In that moment, he spoke to my heart, and he said, Earl, surrender to me, and in that moment, I surrendered my life to him. He said, I don't want to be a part of your life. I want you to give me Give me your life. And, then, and from that moment on, my life was radically changed forevermore. So if, if you go away with nothing else, go away with that. When you go to God, you can go expecting a miracle. Amen? All right. Well, praise the Lord. So the immediate context here is about the false teaching, as I mentioned. And, and, but we're going to focus on how sin and temptation and sensual sensual passions of the flesh, will promise one thing, but will certainly deliver something radically different. And then we're going to talk about how to, how to stay free from the slavery. Amen? All right, the first note, if you're taking notes, I don't have them on the slides up here, but the first note, number one, is destroys lives. Feeding the flesh destroys lives. I had the pleasure of ministering to this young man a few years ago and it's, his story started out when he was eight years old and his mother and father were happily married, doing well in their life, until another woman entered the dad's life. Well he began becoming attracted to this woman. and. Ultimately, they began to have an affair with one another. Ultimately, the wife found out, of course, and she divorced them. Soon after that, all the pain that she was suffering, she tried to drink it and drowned it out, so she began to drink, uh, alcoholically. But she found a man, and she married him. And This man turned out to be this eight-year-old boy's stepfather that began to abuse him, abuse him physically, abuse him sexually, and it was a horrible, horrible situation. He would go to school, he would go to school, happily go to school, but he would have bruises on him, he would have uh, uh, just messed up, dirty clothes. he was malnutritioned, but he would come home and eventually go to bed, and they would end up they would end up. Uh, locking the door of this closet that he lived in, slept in at night on the outside. Just horrible. Well, a few years went by, and he's a teenager, and he found a family and some not-so-good friends, another family. He began to drink and drug. He began uh, to go in and out of juvie and then in and out of prison. You see, that sin of his father of going and, and, and having that affair. I mean, he was, you know, what's the, everyone does it. Well, sin has a, has a way of uh, promising you something but delivering you something different. Now, that man, let me just tell you, he did receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior a few years ago, and he is doing excellent. He has been, he's been healed from the wounds of the past. He's, he has a ministry of his own now, and he's doing excellently. Praise God. But I just, we need to see how devastating sin truly is. Sensual passions of the flesh will promise one thing, but deliver something else. Note number two. Again, if you're taking notes, number two. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. You're a slave to whatever controls you. Now, let me tell you something. I have fallen in love with Jesus, and I love Jesus with all my heart. He has set me free. He's given me an opportunity to raise my son. One of them's here today, and I have another son. He has saved our marriage. He has, he has given me an opportunity to minister to men that, that, that are in a mess like I was in. So I love the fact that I'm a slave to Jesus. If you're going to be a slave to something you ought to go ahead and just be a slave to Jesus. Amen? So he wants to be my friend, and he is my friend. But I want to be a slave to Jesus. I want to love him that much. I want to do everything he asks of me. I want to receive everything he wants to give me. So give me more, Lord Jesus. Give me more. Praise God. Surrendering to temptation seems fun. (laughs) Excuse me. It seems fun, somewhat harmless in the moment. I have to tell you another quick story. Another man I was able to minister to a few years ago, a very prominent man in our community. Uh, he and his beautiful wife, three kids, uh, they were making 150,000 a year, doing well in their life. But he came to me because he began to do porn, and he was getting addicted to pornography. It started on the cell phone, went to the laptop, on the big screen, and his wife ultimately found out about it, and she gave him a couple, three chances. But he kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into pornography. Pornography, everyone's doing it, right? What's the big deal? He lost his wife. She divorced him. Took the three kids with her. Now few years later, as I said, he received Christ. He did. And, and God healed those wounds, and he repented. He even got to remarry his wife. Praise the Lord. That's beautiful. But think about the sin. It's just a, just a fling or just pornography. But look what it did. Those three girls didn't get, they didn't have a dad. He didn't get to raise his kids. Oh, Father, thank you for letting me raise my kids. Oh, I love you so much. Sin will promise you one thing, but deliver something radically, radically different. Surrendering to temptations. Before I go any further, I have a young man, a brother of mine, that's going to come and share a little bit of his story with you. John, could you come on up? Let's give it up for John. Come on, John. Got the mic on?
2: Good morning. My name is John Strickland, and it is a privilege to be asked by Reverend Earl to share part of my testimony with you. The theme of this short testimony is lies of the flesh. As some of you may know, I am currently living a joy-filled life of recovery thanks to the love and redemption of Jesus Christ, who works through Fresh Wind Ministry program. Since entering the program, my life has radically changed. When I was young, I remember often feeling depressed and lonely. Go a little closer with the mic. There you go. I would isolate and avoid people. I felt lost and forgotten. These emotions led me to seek out comfort from alcohol. I would drink and be filled with mo- emotions that I felt I was missing. Alcohol can make me feel alive. While drinking, I finally felt okay. Alcohol seemed to help my depression. I began to believe that I needed the bottle in order to feel like everyone else. I believed I was only worthy of friendship and love if I was drunk. I believed I lived with this belief for years. The belief was alive from the flesh that thankfully, God later proved to be false. Over time, drinking took its toll on me. Not only did my depression and loneliness be, actually begin to get worse, but it had consumed more, but I had to consume more and more alcohol in order to relieve my symptoms. On top of all this, my body began to uh, betray me. Sickness and physical pain crept in. I eventually got to the point where I had to consume alcohol all day every day, just not to be sick. My body was decaying. I was having severe panic attacks in the middle of the night. I was contemplating taking my own life. My sadness and despair was consuming me, and yet I was still drink, believing that just maybe I could find some relief in the bottle if i just if just for a moment the panic attacks became unbearable it was like drowning on land after one of these attacks i had a family member take me to the hospital the doctors were shocked when they saw me i was told i would be dead within a month if i kept drinking like i was in this moment i finally confronted i was finally confronted with the devil devil's lies I believed for so long. Faced with the truth I chose to live. God began to work quickly in my life through men and women who serves his kingdom. I found my way into Fresh Wind program broken, desperate, and still very depressed and lonely. So at that point I gave recovery a try. I chose to pursue the Lord and seek his truth with all my heart I began to make friends and find ways to overcome my depression without hurting myself. My intense loneliness be- slowly began to fade away. I learned that there was another medicine out there to treat my mental health besides alcohol. That medicine was Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. When faced, when faced with depression and loneliness today, I turned from the lying and faced Jesus instead. I am not a victim of my fleshly desires. Instead, I am redeemed by the healing power of Christ, and through him I can combat all false beliefs. Every day I thank the Lord for my life. I thank the Lord for revealing his truth to me, and I turn away from the lies daily, and I choose Jesus, and I pursue him daily now. Hallelujah. Yeah.
1: Yes. Whoo. Glory. Thank you, brother. Yes. (laughs) <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Whew, thank you, Lord. I told you it was gonna be kind of heavy at first, but thank you for starting to get us to the cross, John. Let's go, let's kind of stay in that direction right now. The Bible teaches that we have three enemies that desire desire to destroy our lives. The three enemies are the world, the flesh, and the devil. You see, the world comes around you. The the Satan comes against you and the battle with you is within you. These enemies want you to become and stay a slave to sin. 2nd Peter 2:19. B, the second part of this scripture is where I want to kind of uh, camp out today. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. It looks beautiful. Feels so good. Tastes so good. It's sweet. But let me tell you, you eat too much candy, you're going to get sick. And I know some of you guys stole some of your grandkids' candy last week. Probably got sick. I don't know. But, But think about it. Sugar. Sugar is sweet and it tastes good. But it'll rot your teeth, right? It can rot your gut. It can give you a big old fat gut. But we're not going to make this about me today. So (laughs) sex, sex outside of marriage feels so good, right? But with that comes sickness and disease and emotional baggage. A lot of baggage that you carry with you everywhere you go. It breaks and destroys families, makes kids homeless, it even sets in place another generation of sin, potentially. In addiction, uh, in the the field of addiction, uh, addiction is often considered a family disease because it doesn't just touch the person who's using, it touches everybody they love. The bottom line is when we get caught up in sin, it does not only destroy us, but it can destroy families and it even can be passed down generation after generations. So I want to get serious about not doing it today. Let's quit sinning. Well, let's, let's let's at least stop making mistakes knowingly. Let's let's stop sinning on purpose. Let's start there. Amen. All right. What I'm going to teach you is how to defend and overcome biblically speaking from the worst of these three enemies. The enemy we're going to tackle today, remember the three enemies, the world, the devil himself. The worst one is, what do you think? Ah, we got the flesh. I heard the devil over here. You know, the devil made me do it. We give him too much credit. But that's right, the flesh. So note number three, if you're taking these notes, if you're writing them down, filling in the blanks, Often our worst enemy is ourselves. In the world of addiction or recovery, we often say you can't run from your problems because wherever you go, there you are. So, so it's important to understand that there's something within us that we need to change. So first, let's talk about selves, two natures. Christians have two natures. You have your old nature which wants to do what it likes, what it remembers, what it lusts after, what enslaves you. You'll agree with me that we do things that we shouldn't do and we don't do things we should do, right? Romans 7.15 I don't really understand myself, the Apostle Paul is sharing, for what I want to do uh, for, what, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. He's in a struggle. The Apostle Paul is stating, I want to do the right thing, but I don't. I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I do. Anybody ever been there? You see, we have this natural resistance inside of us. That wants us to do what is easy the easier softer way what is pleasurable what feels good looks good so on and so forth the things that typically enslave you but we're going to learn today strategies from the book of romans from the word of god how to defend ourselves against these three enemy these three areas of our lives that tried to destroy us and keep us down you see i work every day with men that are in bondage that have been in bondage for years. And after they have received the Holy Spirit and began to approach their life a little bit differently, powered by the Spirit of God, utilizing what I'm teaching from God's Word today, these men in deep addiction become victors over self, Satan, and the world. So think about it. Think about you. Think, think, can you imagine what will happen in your life if you apply this teaching? So let's go for it. Open your hearts, open your minds, and, and let's dig in and kick Satan in the teeth, all right? Three different minds in our minds that blow up our lives. And this is note four, by the way. Note four. Shame, uncontrolled thoughts... Oh, that's a big one. And urges. Shame. We can't feel joy and shame at the same time. Think about that. When you feel ashamed, regret is just it just robs you of the joy. Note num- note number 5. Note number 5. God doesn't want us to want to be walking around feeling Guilty, ashamed, and defeated. No, God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to walk around with a bounce in your spiritual step, you know. God wants you, wants you to walk around with, with the joy of the Lord as your strength. He sent Jesus Christ so that we we could live the life, that abundant life that He promised us. He doesn't want us to walk around like that, not defeated but victorious, amen? As a matter of fact, this emotion, shame, draws more men back into their addiction than most other things do. Shame is one of the biggest destroyers of happiness and one of the first things that trigger us to go back into our addictions or or our fleshly, desirary way of life. And we already know that it's not going to produce anything positive. The second one, we have shame. The second one's uncontrolled thoughts. We must learn how to control our thoughts. Are we believing truth or are we believing a lie? Are the things we're thinking about true, 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 or are they based in a lie? I'll give you an example. There was a guy in our church at the Sparrow's Nest Mission Church. Uh, My wife and I built that years ago. And we kind of had a, what might be considered like a recovery church, you know? A lot of people that were in recovery would come. And this one man and his wife came, and uh, he was uh, clean for six months, out of jail for six months. And one day, after church... The wife goes out, and she always does. She always goes out first because he likes to shake hands and give the amens and hallelujahs on his way out. He's just happy. He's got the joy of the Lord, right? He walks out the front door, takes the right, sees his wife in the corner, embraced with this dude, kissing him. Now, they had all kinds of issues in the past. Infidelity was one of them. He doesn't run after her or the guy. He does a 180 and takes off and runs directly to the dealer. And he started, of course, getting high. Ended up back in jail. Ended up in all kinds of trouble. We didn't see him for weeks. And the thing of it is, the the guy, you know who the guy was she kissed? It was her brother. Her brother came, snuck in from another state and was just giving giving them a surprise visit. See, he wasn't thinking, his thinking wasn't based in truth. You get it? It's important. If he would have just taken five seconds, ten seconds, and do what the word says to do, capture your thought. Take every thought captured unto Christ Jesus. He would have saved himself from a, a, a lot of problems. Now, here, listen to this. Our behaviors are absolutely a response to our feelings, the things we're feeling, which is a response to our thinking, our thoughts. We must learn to control our thinking. And the beauty of it is we can control our thinking. We can. I see it all the time. We teach it, and we see it. I teach it, I see it. And I see people being victorious all the time if they press in to this principle. You see, every day we have thousands and thousands of thoughts that run through our minds. When thoughts go unexamined, they can do a lot of harm. All right, the third one is urges. We can tell them, we can call urges lusts. We can call them desires, inner habits, addictions, things like, you know, I just had to do it. Then you'd probably say, the devil made me do it. I don't know. But remember, for you are a slave to whatever controls you, urges. Let's take a few minutes in the book of Romans today and discover the remedies for this battlefield of our mind. Those urges, those compu- that compulsive nature of the flesh, we can learn how to control that, and I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to start with, back up just a little bit to Romans 7.24. Listen what the Apostle Paul is saying. We should go down the whole chapter. It is an amazing chapter of the battle of the flesh and the spirit. And the Apostle Paul in, in uh, twenty four 7.24 says, Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that dom- that is dominated by sin you see the apostle paul has tried everything at this point he's he's called on all his buddies he's he's you know read all the books he's watched all the videos by now and he's just at his wit's end and and he he says who will rescue me and notice that key he doesn't say what can i do different what will rescue me it's not a pill it's not it's not just a program he's saying who will rescue me somebody say jesus oh that was weak somebody say jesus come on now (laughs) he says who will rescue me he says he says what a wretched man i am who will rescue me from this body of death and the scripture goes on and it says the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Glory to God. We've got to remember the cross. And Moreover, I want to talk just for a minute about it. we've got to learn to cling to the cross. Have you noticed that in your life when things are going good, plenty of money in your wallet? I don't know, school's going good, getting good grades. It's easy this semester. You know, Work is awesome. Your kids are doing great. Family's going good. And, and you just tend to back away from the cross. Oh, I know when you get that, that bad doctor's note or, or, or your finances are going down, you know, we, we run quickly. Your son's doing something. Oh, we run to the cross, right? Well, I want to say that we, we need to learn to cling To the cross when things are really good. And we need to cling to the cross when they're not so good as well. We need to learn to cling to the cross all the time. We need to stay focused on Christ Jesus. In prayer, listen to this we're going to shame, right? That's the first one. Let's find the remedies. Let's go to the remedies. Let's go for the victories. Shame. So in prayer, this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. In prayer, in conversation with each other, talk about it. Talk about it with yourself. Remind yourself all that Christ has done for your life. And remind yourself what he did on the cross at Calvary, why he did it. I mean, literally remind yourself, you know, if you're going to dwell on something, dwell on those things. Dwell on those things that bring victory and bring hope, things that are, are lovely and praiseworthy. Those are the things we should put our thinking on. Remember the cross. You see, this is the first, this is first how the Holy Spirit sets us free from the negative emotion called shame. So remember, cling to the cross. Romans 8, 1 and 4, or Romans 8, 1, verse 4, slide 8. There is now no condemnation. Listen to this. There is now no condemnation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, and that's a whole sermon right there, God did by sending his Son in the likeness, in sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live or who do li, do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Glory be to God. There is now no condemnation. If you're walking around in shame, you never you need to read this. You need to get that up in you. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This means that God doesn't judge you for anything you've done wrong. Think about it. Your past, it's forgiven. He doesn't judge you. God doesn't have to judge you because Jesus went to the cross. God doesn't have to condemn you because Jesus took your condemnation on the cross. Hear this. If you're walking around in shame, you don't need to anymore. God does not even get angry at you when you sin. Now, he much rather you not sin. Don't get me wrong. Because, like we talked about earlier, he wants you to have the abundant life Christ came to give us. When we sin, oh, we all know basically what that does. Separates us from the love, from. from it separates us from God. It gets us further away from Christ. And what does Christ want? Christ wants a deep, intimate love relationship, one that is real and personal, a very intimate relationship. So he wants us not to sin, not only for that reason, but he loves us so much, he knows that sin has consequences. All our behaviors do. However you behave has a consequence. If you sin, you got a bad consequence. If you're doing something with Jesus, it's probably a good consequence. Amen. Amen. Now here's something very important. What we're talking about here, and what we're talking about there is now no, no condemnation. We're talking about for those that have received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Those that are beginning to follow Jesus Christ. There is now no condemnation. If, for some, if you haven't yet made that commitment to God and received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, oh, let me pray with you. Let somebody pray. Pray that prayer today. Don't go another day. Because not only is this promise for you, oh, there's so many promises in the Word of God for you and your life. Amen. God doesn't have to do any of that because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. All right. And here's another blessing. We don't have to do any of this with just sheer willpower anymore. Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same power that rose Lazarus from the dead, right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we might live and live life abundantly. That we might live and be boastful of what God is able and has done. That we might live a joy-filled life in Christ Jesus. I want you to, if you're taking notes, write Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, those two chapters, really want to encourage everybody to read those two chapters. Find out again, if you haven't already, how awesome our God is and how beautiful Jesus is and how much power you have in Christ Jesus, how much authority you have over the flesh, over the enemy. Read Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. That would be an awesome thing to do this week. Now, if you're going to have real change in your life, you have to change your nature. To change your nature is to receive Christ and operate in the Spirit, no longer in the flesh. Remember, the Scripture says that we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Listen, it's important. It's easy to walk in the flesh. It's easy. I mean, the world is just, I mean, you can walk in the flesh and look at the pretty girls, the handsome guys, do, do this drug, that drug, and, and you can suffer from those consequences or you can choose, and it's easy. Walking in the flesh, you can do that standing on your head. It'd be hard to walk that way, but anyways. But, but walking in the spirit now, that's going to bring you life. Now, walking in the spirit, you're going to have to make a conscious effort to do that creating a new habit of walking in the spirit of Almighty God. All right, moving into the second remedy. If you're really going to start changing your life, this is so good. Get this this piece, guys. You've got to go, you have to start where God wants you to start. You can't start by changing your behavior. I know people say, well, one of these days I'll come to God. I'm going to change, I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to change my behavior. It doesn't work that way. God doesn't, he doesn't care about you changing your behavior before you come to him. He'll clean you up. He'll meet you right where you are. He loves you so much, he'll meet you right where you are. And he loves you so much, he, he refuses to leave us there. Hallelujah. So you have to start with the mind because the battlefield is in the mind. We must be in Romans 12:2 it says we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen. This is where the magic starts. Right here. Bible teaches us that the way we act, listen, is determined by the way we feel. And the way we feel is determined by the way we think, our thoughts. So, if I'm acting scared, for instance, it's because I'm feeling scared. And if I'm feeling scared, it's because I'm thinking fearful thoughts. We've got to change the way we're thinking. I desire, if I desire to get over my fear and depression, I can't force myself to change my behavior. Try to follow me here. And you can't simply change your feelings. You can change the way you think. And if you change the way you think, you will change the way you feel. And then you will change your behavior. It sounds, maybe sounds too easy. Maybe it sounds really challenging, I don't know. But I see it at work every day. I see it at work every week. Every week we teach this. Every week we encourage one another in it. Every week I watch men coming out of, the, out, of the, out of the valleys and the pits, rising up out of the miry clay and starting to walk a new way of life because they're choosing to capture their thought and make sure that it's taken captive and, and onto, onto Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5, by the way. Make it obedient to Christ. Scripture tells us to capture it. And now, after you capture your thought, right? Let me give you an example. When, when our guys get, if, or addicts, get triggered, you've heard that word triggered? Let's say you're, you're going down the road and you pass your old drug dealer. Chances are it's going to, boom, it's going to trigger something. Whoa, I remember that. I remember the interactions. And it's going to trigger something. Well, if you just if you don't do anything about that, it's gonna to continue to to snowball into something possibly devastating. And this is how some of, some guys end up going back into addiction because they don't deal with that thought immediately. So what we teach, simple as this, I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. Oh no, it just that sounds real preachy. But I'm serious. The guys that do this are free. In that moment or you wake up from a using dream, oh my, those are tough if you've ever known, known anybody in addiction. Those using dreams, they, they've drawn people back into addiction. But immediately, I wake up, oh Lord, you know I rebuke that in Jesus' name, and thank you God it was only a dream. I go to God immediately, and, and I begin to ask at that moment. So I capture my thought. Here's what I just did. I, I stopped the way I was thinking momentarily for a moment i rebuked it used the authority and the power i have in jesus name against the flesh the devil and the world and and i went to god with it and now i ask holy spirit will you change my thinking will you would you give me good thoughts would you give me godly thoughts well this is the second thing we learn from chapter 8 of romans the second remedy for this battlefield in our mind is ask the Holy Spirit to give me godly and healthy thoughts. Look at Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. Look at this with me. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. You hear that? Those that are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to, what does it lead to? Death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Somebody say peace. Amen. wow, oh God, you are so good. I'm just eating it up myself. This is some, that's some good word right there. That is some good word. Praise the Lord. So here's the thing. Let's talk about mindsets. There's two kinds of mindsets. We have the mindset, the mindset of the old nature, and we have the mindset of the Holy Spirit. Boy, it's gotten a lot cooler in here, but I'm still hot as can be. (laughs) These lights. Well, and I'm well insulated, of course. Anywho. (laughs) All right. The first is the mindset that I have developed over the years, right? And it's the mindset of the natural man, the flesh. The mindset of what I think of myself. And then there's the mindset of the way the Spirit sees my life and desires for my life to go. Which one do you think would be based in truth? The Spirit, right? And that's, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm talking about with that man that at my church. He wasn't thinking, his thoughts weren't based in truth. I don't know about you, but most of us typically just wing it, man. We wing it all day long, wing it all week long, wing it all month long, meaning you get up in your day, you do the natural things you always do, the things you've got a habit of doing, you brush your teeth, you eat, you go about your day. You do. You're not even really thinking about anything. It's just happening. Well, God wants us to take every thought captive he literally says take every thought captive we have to begin to think about what we're thinking about this is so valuable to you I hope that you hear this I hope that you take this and begin to do this it is so good so daily we must choose make a conscious effort to choose between those two mindsets how are you gonna think so Romans 8.6. Let's go to Romans 8.6 again. The mind of sinful man is death, it says. And this means that it is sinful and self-destroying. Thoughts we tend to think up ourselves will tend to be self-destroying. However, it says, But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Who wants life and peace? Come on now. Amen. All right, note eight. I hope I haven't been missing them. I think I might have missed some, and I'm sorry. But note eight. This is the Holy Spirit's answer to uncontrolled thoughts. Write that in those blank spaces. Holy Spirit's. So if we want to have a life in Christ and not one that is going back and forth and back and forth in the sinful lifestyles and destructive behaviors we need to ask the Holy Spirit to change our thinking we need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us good godly thoughts remember this this is so good whatever you focus on gets your attention and whatever gets your attention gets you my buddy taught, uh, gave me a shared with me the other day about uh, a dream he had and he was under the water, and he was the fish, and we had the, they had all the, the, the hooks, you know, a bunch of different uh, lines were in the water with all these hooks, and he's the little fish. He could tell this way better than I can, but it was great. And he's looking up at it, and he's, you know, I want that so good, because, you know, it's got some good bait on there. And then he looks away, and he looks up, and he sees all this, this, oh, I want that so bad, but then he looks away. They re- ultimately re- realize, I got to go around this thing, man i got to choose to go around it. If I better not go through it, I'll get hooked. Whoa. We've got to learn to change our focus. Changing our focus. For instance, if you're in a grocery store, men, and you see the, the pretty ladies on the magazines, well, maybe it's not your issue. I don't know. But for me, I make a conscious effort to turn away from it. I change my focus. I know some of you probably moved the little white slide thing that covers them a little bit more. But anyways, what we need to do is change our focus. Focus on God. Talk to the person in front of you. Finish checking your, your emails or something. But literally, or run, depending on where you are with those kind of sins. Get out of Dodge. I have a pastor, years ago, he used to go to the... Um, Oh, he called them the go-go-go clubs. Back in the day, he had a a kind of addiction with it. And he would travel down I-10 in Florida, back and forth, because he would deliver product that he would build. And and he would go, he told me, he said, Earl, I, I decided that I needed to stop doing this so bad, I would go 10 miles out of my way to bypass it, to totally not even come close to those places that would draw his attention and bring him in. So he changed his focus. He did, he was purposeful in his life. We talk in recovery meetings uh, uh, about those triggers. And I kind of shared a little bit about that. But what we have to do after you, this is this is how we, we really handle it. I rebuke that in Jesus' name, that thought. I give it to give it to God some praise. God give me godly thoughts, and guess what we do then? we take it up a notch and we make a phone call and we call our prayer partners and we say, I've been having this thought, I just had this dream. Well, that's a little overkill, isn't it? Not if you've been living a life in hell on earth. Not if you've, you have broken free from that addiction and, you, and you're going to take it serious from here on out and you're going to live a life in Christ. I'm going to do everything I can. And so, so we'll do that. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. That, that, that stops me thinking about it. It redirects my thinking for a moment. I, I receive it. I, I give God praise. God gives me different uh, 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 thoughts. And then I call somebody and tell them what I was thinking about. That's radical. I know it. But, man, it saves lives. Praise the Lord. We've got to be intentional. Um, before we move on, there is a book, it's from Joyce Myers. Some of you don't like her; a lot of you do, but it's, it's called The Battlefield of the Mind. If you're really interested in this mind thing, thinking about what you're thinking about, it's a great book. We have to be intentional about, about what we're, our thought life. To finish up real quick, change comes from the inside out. The third thing is urges, okay? No urges. No is a complete sentence and often the appropriate response. Note number 9. Now that I am a believer, I have the ability and the authority to say no to my compulsions, to say no to my compulsions, the things that are trying to destroy my life. Remember, we used to run by willpower, now we have the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5:16. Hang in there with me. I got about 30 seconds. Galatians 5.16, let the spirit direct your lives and you will not satisfy the desires of the old human nature. Let's start taking the scripture literally. Sure, you'll have some of the same old uh, desires, but you can say no to them and yes to God. Amen. Romans 8.9, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are now controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ living in them does not belong to Christ. And then Romans 8, 12. So dear brothers, you have no obligation anymore to that old nature. Church, we have to take our each day seriously. Be intentional about your day. Seek Christ first thing in the morning. Seek Christ all the day long. Be intentional about walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. As you begin, as we prepare for Holy Communion, oh, what a great time it would be just to, just to take a few moments and, and just pray and ask God to empower you in this. Empower you to begin to move and operate in this uh, Romans 8 of uh, uh, this area of Romans 8. I love y'all with the love of the Lord, and that's a lot of loving. Pastor? Amen.
0: Thank you, Earl. So, we have the privilege. We have the privilege now to partake in the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says that when we partake of the juice, we are participating in the blood of Christ when we partake of the bread, it says we are participating in the body of Christ. It's this mysterious connection with God. And what an appropriate response to this message. We need a participation with God, a connection with Jesus to overcome sin, to overcome the enemy, to overcome impure thoughts. And so, as you partake today, prepare your heart, come with a yielded, surrendered heart, and literally believe in your spirit and in your mind that you are participating in the body and the blood of Jesus. I'd like to ask our elders and prayer team to be some of the first to come and be available to pray with anybody who needs prayer today. God, we thank You and we praise You for this amazing time of worship and Your Word and now to literally, in this mysterious way, participate in Your body and blood. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he says, this is my body broken for you. And after that, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for you for the remission of sins. Drink all of it. Participate in my life. You come when you're ready.